Welcome to Lockdown Flames. I'm your host, Kristen Anderson, and thanks again for joining me this Tuesday. The Flames are in Carolina to face the Hurricanes and are looking at improving upon a 6-5-2 record, which, by all accounts, has been pretty inconsistent through the month of October. This is quite similar to the record from last season at this time. After that 9-1 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins and rebound effort against the Capitals, they were 5-5-1 and and improved from there, as we all saw. By the end of the month, they were 7-5-1, which isn't that far off to where the Flames are. But this also isn't that different of a group. They're facing different issues, though, through the first month of the season, I think. One being overall consistency, effort, small details of the game, turnovers, winning puck battles, etc., which actually seems like a lot in the bigger grand scheme of things. (laughs) But the difference right now from this year to last is that they're getting good goaltending. David Riddick starts again for the Flames and is 5-3-2 with a 2.94 goals against average and a a .909 save percentage. It's so early in the season. My guest Sarah Sivian from The Athletic in Carolina, and I will get into it later in this podcast, but sooner or later, it's not early anymore. All of a sudden, you're at U.S. Thanksgiving, which is usually the quarter pole in the season and the determining factor whether it, to determine whether teams are in or out of the playoff picture. That, of course, doesn't include last year, which was a complete outlier in all of these those areas. St. Louis was out of the playoff picture at Christmas time, and you know how that ended. At any rate, this road trip for the Flames, this five-game swing, is the longest of their year, and it's also a huge opportunity for them to find a rallying cry. Some detail, but also some stuff that have has come into our game that we've got to clean up, right? There's some things we can do better, so that was a focus near the second half of uh, practice and towards the end of practice. So there's always a theme to practice, and it was about... Uh, you know, physically getting involved, getting engaged, putting an end to it in the D zone so we can transition out and not spend so much time defensively. Real quick, uh, play with a lot of tempo, a lot of a lot of speed in both directions, D-men up in the rush, uh, shoot a lot of pucks, funnel pucks to the net, so they're playing a very fast style. That was Bill Peters from PNC Arena after Tuesday's morning skate in Carolina. One of the biggest elements in tonight's game is the Elias Lindholm back to Carolina story. Yes, it's also the Derek Ryan, Bill Peters, Noah Hannafin returning to rally story too, but Lindholm has really found his offensive touch in Calgary, and we can't talk about it enough. This isn't the first time he's been back to Carolina, obviously. They were there last year, but he's gotten so many opportunities to show himself and gain confidence, and he's really responded. And here's a guy who's never scored 20 goals before in his life and is one of the Flames' top offensive threats at the moment. He's had a hot start to this year, and he'll be facing his former team after a trade that sent him to the Calgary Flames for Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furland, and Adam Fox two summers ago. I'm glad we got a practice here. I think uh, I think it was a little, little different go, going back to, to indoors again. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, now it feels uh, like any game kind of. Uh, last year was a little little different, but uh, now it's just a, just a normal game for me. So it's, uh, but, you know, it's always fun to be back here. Last year, so I expect to be booed this year too. So <laughs> nothing's going to change. Just try to, you know, focus on my game. And uh, if they start to... Uh, you know, having a lot of focus focus on me and, you know, stop sharing their team, it's it's better for us. He's a real good, uh, real good heavy body down low in the defensive zone. He's real aware defensively. He's a good playmaker. He gets the puck to his wingers. I think he's playing with two really elite wingers right now. And he's a guy who finds people and makes people better. 
So whether you're tuning into this podcast before or after the game, I think that's going to be the ongoing theme of this remainder of the road trip is how Elias Lindholm does at center. He is skating with Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk currently, or at least they were at the beginning before, before Tuesday's game. And then you look at uh, the second line in Alan Quine, Sean Monaghan, Sam Bennett, Milan Lucic, Michael Backlund, and Michael Froelich on a makeshift third line. And then, of course, Andrew Mangiapane, Derek Ryan, Tobias Reeder. We know how Bill Peters works, and these won't necessarily stick for the remainder of the road trip. But if they can find some chemistry, there's no reason why he wouldn't keep them together. We're back. I think there was some relief from the Flames when Oliver Shillington was at practice earlier this week and again in the lineup Tuesday after he was on the receiving end of a hit from Adam Lowry in Saturday's Heritage Classic. Lowry received supplemental discipline for the hit, which happened at the end of the second period, and he'll be suspended for two games. In case you didn't see or forgot what happened, Shillington was battling for a loose puck behind the net with Jets defenseman Dmitry Kulikov, and with two seconds left in the second period, Lowry hit the Flames defenseman from behind into the glass. Shillington got up from the scrum slash dog pile that ensued on top of him. He didn't seem to be hurt and returned and played out the rest of the game. He skated Monday, which was good too, and is set to play in Tuesday's game. But Lowry, who was given a bordering minor for the incident during the game, faced a phone hearing on Monday. And by all accounts, I don't believe that Lowry has Ill, int- Ill intentions or has a reputation of being a dirty player at all. But much like Mark Gi- Giordano, who was suspended last year for two games after needing Minnesota's Miko Koivu, he's a repeat offender. And I honestly, with both players, think it's just a case of them walking a fine line and playing hard. That's exactly what Lowry did in my mind when he read Shillington into the boards. All right, I alluded to it at the beginning of this podcast, but my guest today is the ultra-popular Sarah Sivian. I'm joined with Sarah Sivian, who covers the Carolina Hurricanes for The Athletic. Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Of course, anytime. It's always a pleasure. The Carolina Hurricanes are 7-3-1, and a relatively hot start, and they're playing pretty well at home. What are your impressions of this group so far in your in your mind? First of all, relatively hot start um, is a great term. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess that, that, that's exactly how I would describe it um, because in some ways it's – you look at this team and you see the flashes of brilliance and you're like, if they can figure out how to play a consistent 60 seconds, which is so cliche, but just like the – the story of this team right now, then they're going to be a real contender, but it's all about putting it together. It's like they'll play 20 excellent minutes and then it's like the team will come out for the second period and it's something I've met, like, I'm like, who is this team? And then they might pull it together in the third or they won't. Now you said 60 seconds, you meant 60 minutes, but I... Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What am I, Barbara? (laughs) But the 60 seconds is actually kind of funny it's like a Freudian slip because sometimes I you know it's shift to shift at times right it could be even 30 seconds it's it's a little I know that for the Calgary Flames perspective it's a little bit inconsistent even from shift to shift so um but you know I and I said relatively because you know they've like you said they've shown spurts and been good in some games and probably win one games that they maybe shouldn't have been in what's like are they I mean it's the first first month of the season and we kind of ask ourselves that in Calgary like is this a bit over a little bit let's pump the brakes here a little bit like there's only 10 it's only 12 games into the season but where are you seeing are you seeing some signs of consistency and and if so where where are they in your mind 
But yeah, there's no pumping the brakes for me. Everything's either the end of the world or the, the best thing ever. But uh, the third line and the new guys have been like a source of consistency and they've combined for uh, more than half of the Hurricanes' total goals. And that's um, a third line of Ryan Dezingle, Eric Kawa, and Martin Natchez, who are all new to the Hurricanes. So that's a really good sign that there is no like period of grace needed. But um, it was just concerning that the first line wasn't doing that. But now the first line's starting to produce. So you see that like that's all kind of coming together. But um, we'll see if it's sustainable. And what are the expectations on the first line this year in Carolina? There's a lot of expectation, you know, like after um, Ajo's offer, she made him the story of the summer. It's kind of, there's a lot he has to live up to. And you know what, that's part of his new role as being a star with his team. Um, He's going to have to figure out how to balance the two-way role that Brenda Moore obviously has him in as first line center. And he's, kind of new to that in the NHL. I mean, it's his second season, but um, he has to figure out a way to... It's really hard, obviously, like, a, to um, have that complete game and also produce, you know? But um, this this is the year that, like, he'll put it together. Okay, the storm, the storm surge. I, like, <laughs> that was such an interesting storyline. I, I mean, it was fascinating. If anything, it brought so many eyes to what the Carolina Hurricanes were doing. I haven't heard much chatter this year. It, what's the deal? You know what? Brett Pesci's dad tweeted the same exact thing the other day. He was like, what's the deal with the storm surge? We need Willie back. Um, these are very... Uh, uninspired storm surges and I'm like I like that because how much are you gonna like there's only so many things you can come up with before you start like thinking about it a little too much and uh I think I like the that they still do it and it's just kind of like a little um clap and then hitting the boards I feel like that's a nod to the fans while still not like trying to outdo yourself every single time but um but his dad is not convinced that that's okay and he wants more storm searches <laughs> it, it's it's funny because um like and i don't what were the origins maybe even describe the origins of it and and how it all started i know you wrote a really interesting piece on it and how that was sort of the calling card of the season and if anything that i mean that was one of the things that can be remembered from from last season is is this celebration and collective celebration that got the fans in a market which is i mean it's hard for canadians to understand a market like the carolina hurricanes like it's just such a um a hard draw in some ways but but you know maybe just describe it I I guess a little bit yeah yeah okay um I think it's still kind of shrouded in mystery just because that's how they liked it but um I know they wanted to do they knew the team was going to be good they knew that Brenda Moore was going to be a good coach um these are conversations I had when I took the job too because it was my it's my first season there last year and I mean I had talked to just some people around the team and they were like, no, you should like, everything's going to change. And they were like so sure of it before even people call it a Cinderella story, but they knew that these were the right changes. So they knew that and they wanted to just kind of, cause it is a hard draw. And like, they wanted to show the fans that they appreciate them for like being there for nine years without the playoffs. And I think that makes it a harder draw than like the area that uh, we live in. But I think that um, it's like a college town and they like to do fun things like that and it just worked out perfectly um it's a really special bond and i think williams is the one who kind of created it and he 
kind of spearheaded it every night. I remember one time just asking, like, how do you come up with them? Like, what's the protocol? And then he just, I don't know if you know Justin Williams, but he was just messes with you constantly. And he goes, all right, guys, all right, Warren, I need you to do three ideas and hand them in in an hour or you're fired or something like that. And I'm like, all right, he's not going to tell me. But <laughs> it was just like, it was something that they actually like to do. Like, they would discuss it over lunch and, like, other a new person would come up with one every game. And um, I don't know, it was nice for that team, but I think they're also trying to establish that this isn't going to be the same season as last year and they need to take a next step. And that's exactly it. I mean, this is a serious group and much like the Flames, it, like they they need to take the next step this year and and you know in some ways it was such the hurricanes were such a lightning in a bottle team but they are probably in the process of proving that they're legit is that the way you see it yeah that's exactly it and now they have the fans uh because they went from i think it was a 5.1 million dollar increase and 55 percent or something like that in um season tickets so it's like they they got the fans back and now they have to keep them there and yeah it's proving you're legit and I think they are but you just have to wait and see my last question for you is the Dougie Hamilton effect I think Calgary Flames have been fans at least have been watching what he has been doing um and and just kind of you know maybe curious about how things have gone for him since transitioning from uh, the Flames and I think maybe in some ways he was misunderstood in Calgary how has his you know what has his his impact been Yeah there's certainly two sides every story but I think um he has really he thrives in a smaller market and the, the market just embraced him because they're kind of outcasts in the NHL world too you know like the Carolina Hurricanes like they get ripped on all the time the fan base for like various things and being different and um I think they saw that in Dougie and embraced him and he's loved it I mean um there's a video of him on the Hurricanes website from like last week just scootering around with Andrei Svechnikov and Warren Fogel like I think he's found a home here and it obviously shows how comfortable he is playing he's been awesome on defense too it's not just the points yeah that's the what I think the Calgary Flames the aspect of his game that was a little bit hard to see go or hard to let go, I think just that, yeah. you know, his, his presence on the power play, it's pretty much unmatchable. I mean, it's hard to get a guy like that. I mean, in, in the way that he plays, what, what is his, what are you seeing in his um, role, I guess, in his impact in, in that way? Well, it's been interesting because he said, we've talked about it a lot, because um, I'm like the only reporter that travels on the road, so we just talk shop or whatever. But um, he says that he likes that Brendan Moore plays him on the penalty kill. I think he likes that he has trust, like Brendan Moore has trust in him and that he likes to repay him while with playing a game that Brendan Moore would be proud of. I think it all starts there for him. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys. I'm so excited about Wednesday's guest, Brent Gibbs. He's the director of retail for the Calgary Flames, the Calgary Stampeders and Fanatic. And he's here to talk about the success of the Heritage Classic from a marketing perspective. And of course, I'm going to ask him about the Flames retro white jerseys. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Please help me grow this podcast by subscribing, downloading, rating it, or providing a review. Tell me what you think by sending me an email at kanderson at postmedia.com or follow me on social media and reach out on Twitter at k.anderson, on Instagram at k.anderson, and on Facebook, my professional page, Kristen Anderson.